Surgical gloves. Thermite. Silver medallions, a small bag of salt, a Bible. Bundles of dollar bills, two hundred dollars each for everyone there. It all felt amateurish and haphazard. More like a strangely outfitted sleepover party than a clandestine operation. Agent Hunt broke it down for them. We recovered a few pages from a DNC research project, he told them. We knew they were pulling behind, and it seems like they're a little more desperate than we thought. They've started drawing from a different playbook. He held up a Xeroxed page of densely written Cyrillic, the word Gregor circled in two places. Maybe some of you recognize that name. If you do, you know it's not politics as usual anymore. Nobody likes going outside the law, but I assure you, the President is fully behind us on this one. We clean the place out. This time tomorrow you'll be on your way and no one will ever hear about what happened. He glanced at me. There were people in the room who already knew this was not true. The first team went out, Henry and the rest of them, and the second team, the ones whose names you will know from the newspapers, were left. After a while McCord went upstairs to tape the locks on the fire doors, and I came back here to wait. It had been my office for four years— I cleared everything out when I arrived because of Kennedy. Kennedy's desk was nice, but I wanted a broader writing surface, and I like a darker wood, and I don't like to sit where he sat. God knows what went on here. The new desk was supposed to have been Woodrow Wilson's, a man I admire. The 28th president was a sorcerer of no small ability within his limits. Better than Eisenhower, if you ask me until in 1918 he went too far, made a pact that brought the Great Plague. His dyslexia held him back, not to mention his education. There are some things they don't teach you at Princeton. The Wilson desk was a PR coup until, and it took fucking Sapphire to point it out, we found out it wasn't Woodrow Wilson's at all. It was Henry Wilson's, a vice president who served under the Great Butcher, who, incidentally, had the least human blood of anyone to serve in the office. The desk, I found, had several secret compartments. One contained papers handwritten in an unknown alphabet and bearing the signature of James Madison. Another held a bronze dagger inscribed with the opening words of the Declaration of Independence. A third one was empty, and objects placed inside it for longer than eight hours would reliably vanish— I never found out to wear. Nothing is ever the way you think it's going to be, not even the job of your dreams. I lit a cigarette. Pat would be asleep by now, no one awake but me and the security guards. Franklin D. Roosevelt built the modern version of the Oval Office in the 30s. He had some strange help, and it still has some strange properties. At this hour, it can feel like a time machine going back, back to the barren swampland that once was here, the square miles of muck and still black water. In November 1620, five hundred miles to the north, a hundred and two British settlers arrived and started dying. Half of them went almost immediately, from diseases caught during the journey coupled with no food and a killing winter. Only four adult women survived that first year. Fugitive Protestant mystics, Tillies and Martins and Chilton's, 
They huddled together in half-built log halls, reading by firelight on the edge of a frozen continent, next to a dark forest that stretched westward all the way to the Mississippi. They couldn't even bury their dead. Outside, the snow had fallen six feet deep, and there were moving shapes in the night. They were fifty-three people without a country, watching one another die until one of them, we will never know who, walked out into the darkness to do what none of the others would. The colony at Roanoke had died. Plymouth would live. I stubbed out the cigarette and took off my jacket. The phone rang. Once. It meant that Henry's shadow team was climbing the hotel stairway to the eighth floor. As I later heard it, the Egyptian went first, clearing the hallway and sniffing out anything dead in the adjacent rooms. Henry followed, shambling. He always